I don't know. My life's a, in a bit of a tumult, but uh, just getting ready for the tour and everything and building this, building out what this live show is going to be. It's been a lot. It's a daunting, expensive experience. I don't know if you heard, but uh, inflation is a thing. I'm not familiar with inflation. I have heard of bite inflation. Is that related? Biden. Oh, I call it brand inflation, but uh, it's not real. Um, no, I, I don't know what is what is real. I'm sort of checked out from the world of uh, politics. I, I think in in 2018, I was actually I had a little moment in 2020 where I started to care about electoral politics and thought that uh, things could change. Um, and when it didn't, uh, I sort of became permanently jaded and cynical. So. I don't. Um, I don't believe. I don't believe in anything. I'm. I'm in my. Uh, I'm in my doom pilled uh, stage. You're black pilled. Black pill. Well, black pilled. I feel like that has connotations of. Is that a little too incelly? It's all too incel. A little too hate. Hate uh, filled. I, I, I'm not. Um, filled with contempt or hate i love my fellow man it's not the it's not the man my man i hate it's the man so um i don't believe we're in in good shape uh hence the new record i guess is the is the point of all of this my understanding is you were a, a bernie supporter like myself no i was trump i was a trump guy oh so you were more disillusioned by the 2020 election Yes, yes, Georgia. Um, no, I'm kidding. Yes, I was a Bernie bro. So yeah, I felt a little, I felt a little crestfallen. I was talking to somebody about this recently about how it, it really did feel like there was a generational window there for a minute. But also, mm-hmm. in hindsight, you know, of course that's how things worked out. Of course. And who knows how things would have, if they ever could have, which they never would have, uh, how they could have turned out differently. But that's for another timeline, I guess. You're just tuned out of uh, international national news? Yeah, unless it, yeah, unless it like, unless it's like, you know, it affects me directly. I I can't, I don't have the... uh, I don't have the constitution for it. I've walked that line to a certain extent. I need to be tuned in just for my job. I'm a, I'm finding it increasingly impossible not to just get completely caught up in things. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, that's the nature of it. I mean, it's, it's designed to, to feed, feed your anxieties and fears and, and ultimately your sense of hopelessness too. I don't know. It just feels like a nasty cycle. But I have no prescription. I don't know what the... And I don't think digging a hole and burying your head in the sand is the answer either. But I'm not about to offer up solutions to change the world with my music. I don't know what... You know, if we really peel that onion, I don't know what the, the fuck I'm actually doing or what the point of it all is, other than it brings me some pleasure self 
you know, motivation, self-motivated pleasure, I guess, to write songs. Really, that's the beginning and the end of it. It's it's the the coming up with the song. It's hitting on the melody. It's writing the song. It's it's recording the song. Those are the joys. Everything else is external from that and has really nothing to do with anything I derive pleasure from. Yeah, but I mean, having that thing still puts you ahead of, I don't want to say most people, but certainly a lot of people. Not, not everybody has that thing that they can tap into. Oh, I'm, I, I have sincere gratitude that I have that outlet, that like pressure valve. And that's where I can kind of put these, you know, these kind of bleak, um, doom-pilled ideas, I guess, about the world, the state of the world. I can put them on record as a kind of catharsis, I suppose. Uh, there's also just the very, you know, pragmatic fact of this is what you do for a living, <laughs> you know, and, and you live in... Well, that's a bit of a stretch. Living is it's a bit of an exaggeration. It's 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 a it's a substantial part of your income. Is that fair to say? Um, you know, I don't know. I've I'm this record. I'm like self releasing it, and so I'm kind of on the hook for getting everything together. I'm self managed. I'm 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 a very small little cottage, uh, and so I've. I, I don't know about much. I haven't. I've yet to see any income, a lot of outcome, but uh, so outgo, I guess. But uh, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see if we can get one of these kids to uh, do an idiotic dance on TikTok to one of the songs. Maybe I can get back on my feet. You know. How did you come to self-release it? The fact that no one re- responded to my emails, any label connections I've made over the past 20 years uh, that I reached out to and said, hey, I've got an amazing record that uh, I'd love to, I'd love for you to hear. Um, yeah, that was just, that was kind of the, the motivating factor, I guess. I want to release records. I want to make music. I, and and it's, it is a selfish pursuit, really. Like it, it, benefits me to to make the music but also then for it to exist in the world otherwise you're just living in this kind of imaginary fantasy world where you just have I don't know like a a, a kind of tree falling in a forest that doesn't make any sound so it, it, it soothes my soul that it exists outside of me and could kind of exist hopefully beyond me but uh so i don't know maybe that's why i do it um but yeah i so so i'm just doing it myself you know it's kind of and i believe in the music i think it's worth i think it's worth it i guess it's 20 years now since the unicorns record came out so as a a fan of 20 years it's uh somewhat surprising for me to hear not not surprising from the standpoint of obviously the music industry is super fucked right now and it's hard for you know just about anyone but 
maybe five people. But what what's your sense of what happened between Isla Mania and now? The world got a little smaller, a little more constricted, I think. But also the record, that record, as much as I love that record, it didn't, you know, records go gold and platinum. And I think Isla Mania went, um, went triple wood. I, th- I think that's as high of a certification as it got. Um, certification as it I don't know why I'm being so bleak and and uh, vulnerable with you, Brian. I don't know. Maybe there's something about the tone of your voice. You you bring it out. Vulnerability's fine. We'll, we'll get we'll get somewhere positive. I'm not super worried about it. I mean, in, in, invariably, given the nature of the new record, I think we were gonna head in this direction at some point. So it's it's good to get it to get the uh, the existential dread out of the way up top. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Then we can dig a little deeper into um, just general malaise, maybe some ennui while we're, while we're at it. We can work our way up to boredom, I think. Is I would let you for boredom right. for the conversation. As long as it's a spiritual boredom. You know, it's interesting, the, the, the sort of the, the contrast between the two records. Um, I certainly, listen, I went through some real rough times during this pandemic as, as a lot of people did. I, you know, had some, had some health struggles and I'm, I'm living in New York city and in Queens, which was the, the, the capital of, of, of COVID and, you know, March, April, 2020. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm very much sympathetic or empathetic to just, just wallowing in despair and maybe, at very least, this is a, a productive way to get in touch with that, to make art from it. Yeah, I'm sorry you you had a hard uh, couple of years, or you've had some hardships. Um, I hope you're doing. But yeah, I think I think having that outlet is good. But I think and letting it letting it out rather than kind of bottling it up, I think is, is a healthy, is healthy behavior. Um, and you know, the record, it, it, the record is definitely a response to Isla Mania. It's definitely kind of the come down where the, uh, those, those drugs kind of wearing off and reality starts to creep in. Um, but, uh, I also offer some hope, I think, on the record, especially in the last song. The last song was actually supposed to be the first song of the next record. Um, But I thought it would be interesting to... Almost like a a button or a post-credit scene or something, have it kind of tease where, where things could go. Um, a way out from the from the the basement from the darkness, and um, so that was the idea was to was not to end things on a a dour note, really a sour dour note, but to uh, provide some glimmer of hope, I guess. And I think that's what we need. I think human beings are resilient, and we find ways in the face of real hardships and real 
struggle to to pull it together. I, I have to have that a little bit of hope in there somewhere, and I think um, I think there's a world where where we kind of organize and get together. I think that's what Bernie was kind of hinting at too. So I, I, I leave a little shred of hope. Is the glimmer of hope on the final track? Is it that sort of that sense of collectivism? Well, not quite. I mean, there is there is a, there is a sense of that, I suppose, but it's a personal moment. I think that character in that song is having a personal um, awakening. I think and. I think it involves I think it involves being connected to the world and being not isolated in a kind of dungeon. I think it involves being in the mix, but in that moment of of um enlightenment, I think it's a solo experience in that in that brief moment, but then I think what follows is is uh joining of, of, of um, society. It's interesting to view it as a response, and it's interesting to have collectivism be be a silver lining to it because we're we very much plumbed the depths of isolation over the last three years. I mean, you know, for me personally, I don't know if you had the same experience, but the pandemic was far and away the most isolating time of my life. It was a weird one. Again, as somebody who ostensibly <laughs> does this for a living, how did you make it through? Well, it, it, it hit at a weird time for me because I was, I had taken, after 2016, I had taken this break from music, from touring and making records. I'd felt kind of, I'd felt like the well was dry a little bit. And I felt like I wasn't, I was just hanging around too much. And I think when you hang around, at a party too long people just sort of take for granted that you're still there and so i felt this quiet need to dip out the uh the back door a little bit it was only around 2020 when i was making these moves to kind of come back and work started working on a record which became Mania. Um, and then of course everything changed in the world and that, that, that was put on pause. So I had kind of, it wasn't like I had obligations that changed. And, you know, I, I think I was very lucky that a big part of my income is doing like theme songs for podcasts, you know, <laughs> and then, and then gratefully having the kind of like mailbox money of, of, um, song, um, songwriting residuals and things like that. Um, and, you know, hoping that you, you get a license here or there, a song gets used here or there, and then you get, you get the windfall from that. That's been, those have been the things that have kept me, um, sustained, I guess. But so my life didn't really change in, in that I was always kind of working on my own clock in my own way, usually at home. Um, but the world definitely shrank and I felt it, but I don't think, I don't think it was, I was hit as hard as other people. I mean, I'm a social creature and so I like being out in the world. That was hard. 
But as far as my day-to-day structure, um, it it gave me, you know, it gave me room to try uh, other things. It, there, there was a, a way, that, uh, there was a world in which it kind of was, it kind of opened up certain doors for me. Again, the last time that you and I spoke, it was for a comic that you had come out on Fanographics. I mean, it's not, it's not as if you weren't trying other avenues prior to all of this. Right. Well, that was in the period in 2018 when we spoke, that was in the time when I had, I had quit music. I mean, I don't think I was advertising it and I wasn't going around saying Islands is done because it was kind of a silly idea that Islands could break up. Like it's, it's an extension of my, of me really. So that's not quite possible, but I felt like I wanted to close the book on it a little bit. And there was a nice round number of 10 years of making records. There was uh, seven records. It felt like a good body of work. And so I was trying to do other things. And one of the things that I'd always loved was drawing and, and specifically comic books um, of the underground or, uh, you know, independent variety, I guess. So linking up with Fanographics was truly a dream come true. I was, I was, uh, I was a huge fan of, of the company in high school and, and the work of, of, of a lot of the cartoonists that or artists that worked, uh, published with Fanographics. So it was a huge thing. And it, I think having that break from islands was what I needed to be able to p- put that focus on that book. Um, and there's other things I tried to do too, that, that, uh, didn't quite pan out. Um, but there were other avenues of expression I was trying to, trying to try as well. You're referring to it as a break in, in hindsight, but it sounds like it was potentially going to be a lot more than that. I wrote a letter. I never sent it. My manager at the time was like, don't post this, but I was going to write a note that was just, you know, I'm done. I'm done with music. I'm done singing songs. Um, you know, there's a cynical way that that plays out where the, the guy, the lead singer of the, of the band announces his retirement and then the show suddenly his, he, suddenly his last shows booked or become these, um, become these, uh, finale shows and the, and the, the venue suddenly jumps up in capacity five time, five sizes. And, and then that's it. It's this big celebration of this artist's life, like almost like a living wake or something. And then, you know, inevitably I can't outrun this thing. I love to do it. Uh, and, you know, five years later I'm back and it does feel like this cynical, uh, like exploiting people's, um, the thing that I think people should f- tap into, which is we're, I'm not going to, no one's going to be here forever. And so we should appreciate what we have when we have it. But I felt like it was, I'm a quiet person when it comes to that stuff. I like to keep certain things to myself. And so I did decide it was better just, I don't need to announce this. If I'm going to take a break, I don't need to announce it. If, if someone asks, I'll tell them, but I don't need it to be a look at me kind of attention seeking. 
I mean, this is a while ago now, but insofar as you're able to remember, what what did the letter say exactly? You know, I was probably just feeling sorry for myself in the letter and was um, in the note, the notes app note. I think it was just, it was a recognition of what had, what had happened, what, what I felt like I'd accomplished, and it was expressing some appreciation for, for uh, the people that had stuck around, the people that cared. Um, but ultimately, I think it was a pointless exercise. And maybe the, all I needed to do was just write it and say it. Um, boo-hoo, woe is me, nobody cares. Nobody cares about me. Not enough people care about me. Um, not enough people are listening to me or coming to my shows, so why, why bother? You don't deserve me, you know, that kind of thing t- tied into I'm, I'm kind of creatively tapped out, you know, spent uh, out of gas or whatever. So it was something silly like that that just didn't need to be made public. It was just a feeling and I was able to feel it, uh, articulate it and then just move on, which I'm, I'm grateful that I didn't announce anything like that. I think that's a pretty universal impulse, and I think we've all been guilty of doing some form of that on social media of, you know, it's not only you expressing where you are, but whether consciously or subconsciously, it's you effectively putting out into the universe and and trying to get some positive feedback, you know, it's and trying to get people to maybe trying to tap into what it was that made you fall in love with music in the first place. You're right. You're on the money with the social media comparison because there is this similar impulse where it's like, pay, pay attention to me, like validate me, like me, heart my post, like share me. You know what I mean? Like there's this kind of, it is a, maybe a human, one of our weaker kind of, um, vulnerabilities where we feel the need to we feel this desire to be appreciated and loved and i think social media has kind of drawn that out of us in a really kind of distasteful ugly kind of way and i think i was falling into that a little bit where i was like hey i need a little bit of confirmation that uh that i that i matter that i exist you know and the truth is if you want to zoom out far enough Nothing matters. Nothing I do matters. Nothing I'm ever going to make matters. I'm, I'm just, uh, I'm just a bunch of bones that that's about to go turn into some worm food. I agree with you that not that you're worm food. I agree with you that there are <laughs> certain Validate aspects me. of. I agree with you. I, I might in around that way, but I agree with you that there are certain aspects of social media. Like, obviously, there are aspects of social media that are very much playing sure. into the, uh, you know, endorphin center of your brain. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that. I don't think that the need to be validated is necessarily a, a bad impulse, and certainly it's not a product of, of of social media. And it's important. I mean. You know, you you read these interviews with legendary artists who you know act like they don't give a shit about, and maybe maybe there are people like that in the world that don't really care about whether or not people 
care about the thing that they're putting into the world. But at the end of the day, the, the truth of the matter is, is that a big part of the reason why you, not why you make things, but why you share things is because, you know, you want that feedback from people and you want that connection with people. You want to be loved, too. I mean, another word for validation, I think, is love. And you just want to feel maybe it stems from some childhood moment where you didn't get enough of it or or something. And I think those artists that say that they're not seeking it, their cup is probably filled. So they don't, they don't, you know, they don't need it because they've, they don't think that they're seeking it out because they're already so fulfilled. And um, yeah, I think we all want, I think it is a, pretty baseline ancient kind of human need is that need to feel loved and part of part of the tribe whatever that is whatever that looks like so yeah i don't think it's i don't mean to completely disavow or write it off but uh but i'd like to be a little more i think anyone who's making stuff it's a it's a fanciful idea but i think it's nice to feel like this autonomous thing that makes and creates and it doesn't matter what people think but we are part you know you're in the world you exist in the world i i want to be it's easy to say i that i don't care and that i um that I can do it without any kind of validation or confirmation that I'm on the right track. But yeah, it's good to feel like we're in, we're in flow with the world and that we're in step with the world. You're obviously a a well-established artist, you know, and that you've been doing this long time and that you have this, this fan base. I, I assume that there's a group of people, you know, and I, I certainly would include myself in this who will, who will listen to every island's, album and you know who who will go see you tour um so is there a sense in which that 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 validation or that love is kind of is kind of a moving target it felt like there were diminishing returns really and obviously that was me you know i wasn't taking i was i was in a way taking for granted the people that were listening and we're caring and those people matter like it does matter i the, that does keep me kind of feeling connected to the world that there are people that are paying attention and are listening closely it does it does feel good even if it is just a feeling um but i think i was feeling like the better i get at this whole thing the better i i seem to feel like i get as at the the ability to write a song to to convey a feeling or to express a feeling or to tell a story or to you know write just write the the best song i can i feel like i've gotten better at it and it feels like it's at odds with with the the amount of care that i that i received and that's a that's just not something I can control. And so it's a, it's crazy making to try to, you know, and I, and I obviously I'm in my own fantasy world where I might think that I've made something that's very accessible and very universal. Not that I necessarily want that either, but 
that I'm making the best thing ever. And it's just not always going to translate that way. I'm, I'm in my own head and, um, and not necessarily connected to the temperature in what's going on. And so it's an, it's an unfair, I'm putting myself in an unfair position, I think, to expect a certain reaction. Um, so I, I think I'm at peace with that now too. I think I'm kind of, I'm, I'm remembering that this is something that I love to do. And I do feel grateful that I have the opportunity to do it in whatever capacity. And that's, that's kind of what, where I'm going to, where I'm going to like live mentally. Cause it's, it's kind of the only thing that's going to keep me from losing my mind, I think restlessness or dissatisfaction is also not necessarily a bad impulse too much of it clearly is but with the right balance of it it's something that can be motivating you know it's it's not it's feeling like you didn't make the perfect record perhaps will drive you to to this you know hopeful place where you can create something a little more perfect next time i think that's a motivation yeah i, I look back i could honestly probably put fill a single record uh, of all the nine records I've released, I could probably put all the songs I like or feel like confident about on one single record, you know? And I think that does keep me going knowing that like, okay, I can do this better. I mean, I listened to those, to that first islands record and it sounds like shit. I mean, I think there's really great. I'm not trying to under, you know, diminish what, what it was. It was, it was, I, I feel very proud of it, but there's things I would do differently. And maybe people would hear that and say, well, yeah, you, you've lost the plot. Like you, you, you'd wreck it if you tried to make it now, but yeah. George Lucas, I said. think, right, exactly. Um, but I think I've just, I'm learning, like I'm not a, I'm a, I'm someone who came into this just learning by doing, and I didn't know what I was doing necessarily. And I think that naivete can be really beautiful and you can, you can land on really amazing stuff in, in, um, in a naive kind of way. Uh, but I also love the, the, I hate to say the craft of it. That sounds so schlocky and stupid, but the, the puzzle of it all, I think it's, um, it's, there's something emotional and, and, indefinable about it. And that's how I approach music too. It, it, it's a very mystical process for me. I don't have technical training and, uh, you know, I, I'm com- a completely self-taught in uh, musician. And so it still feels almost supernatural when a song clicks or even when one note follows the other or that, that makes sense or a harmony. Like there's nothing, mathematical about it for me it's it's a very um it's just a very i I get surprised when uh when i stumble upon a song or a melody that that moves me and i i love that and i so i try to i try to maintain that but i also want to i want it to get better i want to get better at it because i listen back and i think okay here's how i could i i see what i'm doing here that's a little a little off, a little, a little safe or a little 
inaccurate or something. I didn't quite get to it. So it's not necessarily a technical thing. It's just like, how can I, how can I move you? How can I, how can I get to the point? You mentioned the first silence record, but again, this year being a milestone for me, a very depressing milestone of it now being 20 years since that, the unicorns record came out. What's your relationship to that set of songs? I mean, God, 20 years is it's, it's, it's gone. It's gone so long that I, I am. It's a different lifetime. I feel, I feel like I can kind of remember that person that I was that exuberant kind of there was like a hubris there too like we really thought we could just take over the world we we it was playful though it wasn't this it wasn't this it, there wasn't a meanness to it you know there was a maybe an impishness to it but it wasn't mean what we were doing but we felt like we could do anything and we felt like we we had a we had a right to be there or something. If, I, I don't know. Like we didn't care about the, the, uh, these kind of, uh, the great, the greats that came before us, you know, we weren't intimidated, you know, we felt like we belonged too, and it was a beautiful thing, um, to feel that way. And I think it's funny as, as you get older and you, you get a little wiser, you, <laughs> you start to be humbled. I am so glad that I was able to, that was my introduction into the, into the world of, of making music that I got to feel that. And, and, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm grateful that that record exists. I, it feels like a, like a, another person in a way and in a kind of beautiful way, you know, I think that's, that's, I'm glad that I've, grown and changed and i'm glad that there's a document of the person that i was or that we were when we made that record was it ultimately that hubris that you're describing i mean four years is not is not a long time to go from feeling like you're going to take over the world to not being a band anymore well yeah and i mean really it was that one year of of uh when we made that record and then we toured it relentlessly in 2004 yeah, there was just optim. We were optimistic, you know. I, and I, and I felt like my 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 bandmate Alden, who was my you know friend in high school, I felt really confident in his abilities and his voice, his musical perspective. And so I felt like I could bring something that was maybe a little less polished, but a little more. A little, I, I, you know, we cared, we, we cared just enough to make it work, but we didn't care about stepping on, on, in the wrong way or, or doing the wrong thing or expressing things the wrong way. So there was a freedom there. And I think it seems like there wasn't a lot of despair at the time as far as moving on to the next project i mean the thing you know i need i i'm sorry I, you know i should i should say like i'm not i don't want to sound like i'm discounting the success of that record because for a first record it was really successful and it did really put on you on the map but 
you know, in spite of things, I'm not, I'm not entirely sure what happened, but in spite of things imploding or exploding or whatever happened that you, you were able to move on to the next thing pretty quickly. I felt like I had no choice and I was destroyed when that, that band ended. To me, that was just the beginning. I, I had so much hope um, with the unicorns and, you know, had this very big idea of where it could go. And to me, it was only going, it was, that was just the beginning of where it could have gone. That could have been misguided and wrong, but it felt like we were just getting started. And I knew that we had so much more to give. And then when the band ended, when Alden decided he didn't want to do it anymore, um, I was 23, I think, and felt like the world was over. I felt I'm too old now to, to start over. It's too late. I was having a complete... Isn't that wild at, you know, being almost like twice that age now to look back at that and realize how ridiculous that sentiment was? Yeah, I had no perspective, but I really thought I was finished. I thought it was too late for me to start over. Like, this was a band that kind of started in high school and, um, or at least the beginning, the seeds of it. And it just felt like there's no way I can start all over. So I was forced to just kind of keep going though. I had no, I had momentum. I knew that I knew I had some momentum and Jamie, who was drumming with the unicorns, we, we decided we were going to keep working. And I had these songs that were, you know, songs like rough jam and where there's a will, there's a whalebone were songs from the first islands album that we played on, on, uh, at unicorn shows like they were a, a unicorn songs effectively uh don't call me whitney bobby those were all unicorn songs they were intended for the next record and so there was already this runway and i knew i had to take advantage of it and so we we just i just kept that ball going but i was feeling very uh I was feeling very despondent and, and afraid. Is the fairly nebulous nature of islands, is that a response to what happened with unicorns? Yeah. And I don't mean to discredit, um, the, the players in the band, um, Adam and Jordy and Evan, who, who, bring the songs to a completely other level. And in some case we've, we've written the songs together. Um, but yeah, I think maybe I was safeguarding myself against, against that ever happening again, you know, against having being abandoned or, or, or left. Yeah. Just being left, where we're holding the bag, I guess. And so, um, you know, they say there's two kinds of bands and it's a little dated that the, the, the gender, the genderized form of it, but there's the brother band. And then there's the, the, like the band where you, you put the people together and they're, they're kind of, you become friends after, but then there's like the bands where you, the, the music comes out of the friendship and those are really like 
very deeply personal relationships, those bands. And I think those bands have a harder time succeeding because there's so much um, history and emotion woven into the music. And I think that the Unicorns was a brother band. And when it imploded, I, I think I felt like I had to had to be a little more organized about how, how it would, how it would be, how the band would be, you know, what a, what a band, what that band was, what a, a band is, I guess. And I've been so lucky in the last, since 2009, having Evan and Jordy. And then since 2013, having Adam, I feel like, um, the band isn't the same without them, you know, but ultimately it's a name. You know, it's a name more than it is like for lads from Liverpool or whatever, you know. That's a wild thing about time. And, and I've noticed this uh, especially re- applies to music. And, and I think it's a product of the fact that, you know, for the most part, certainly rock music is, is you know, it's a, it's a young person's game, obviously. And we tend to define careers and aspects of bands and music by those, by that first decade. But, you know, it's, it, it's wild. The fact, you know, as you're saying this, the fact that I sort of still consider islands to, to be, or have been a nebulous thing, but it, it, it sounds like it's been a, a completely steady lineup for a decade now. Yeah. It has. What do you attribute that to? I mean, I think I was very lucky. I think I, I think I attribute it to, I I don't know. I, I, I think, I think it's, I think it's a lot of it is luck. I think having a, a really great group of people that connect deeply on a musical level um, is, has been so uh, crucial. And I think it's, I think everyone recognizes that it's special that when the four of us, I should say that when we're together, that there's something really beautiful. Um, You know, I I have another record that uh, we, we recorded this summer just very recently. And we all got together. I had this pile of songs we got together without any rehearsal and we sat in the studio up in Canada. We recorded on Vancouver Island and we sat facing each other in a circle and we just played the songs. We, you know, I showed the, 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 the song on the guitar and then with lightning speed, we, we, as the four of us who've been playing together for all this time, were able to find, find it so quickly and in two weeks we recorded um i don't know 15 songs or something like that so we moved very quickly and and i needed to do that after this record this very like tinkering kind of dolphins which is this very laborious sort of incremental thing um and very atomized fractured you know i i was doing most of the music and then bringing on the guys um, when I could to add certain things, but the song was already pretty buttoned up. So I wanted to 
honor the the how important Evan, Jordy, and Adam are to the band by getting in a room with them and bringing it out together live. And that included like putting a microphone in the room too and having the bleed of it all, just singing and all of it. It's like that we're committing to this take. This is the take. This is the vocal. And there was something so freeing about that. Um, and, and because we'd worked together for 10 years, because we have that camaraderie, we were able to do it really well and really quickly. So I, I feel very blessed to be making music with these, these three guys. If one of the overlying themes or, or defining characteristics of dolphins is that again, that despair that we kicked off with, although buttoned up by a, a hopeful song, I guess is the word I would use. What, what does the next group of songs look like? Well, they're pretty wild. It's a, it's a new direction. <laughs> if, if that's possible with a 10th, a 10th album. There, there's kind of, there's definitely less of a sense of dread. It's almost like after the dust settles. Like if this is the bomb going off, if Dolphins is kind of the, the final atomic bomb that goes off, it's kind of what's left after you sorting through the rubble and you're sort of reflecting on the world. And there's something wistful and nostalgic about it. And then there's something kind of beautiful about it rebuilding and finding where to go next and how to make it work this isn't the promotional cycle and it's a ways off but i'm it, that was kind of an abstract answer is is there is there something more concrete you can give me i don't know if there's an overarching you know one through line to the record but there's stories, you know, more so than any other song I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm tapping into the, the storytelling part of songwriting. You know, when, when COVID happened, I, I, one of the things I, I tried to do, which I'd always wanted to do was just write, write like prose fiction. And so I wrote, you know, I wrote like a book's worth of short stories, just, getting them out. And, and part of that, so much of that writing was, was in editing, was editing the stories and refining them. And, and, um, I think I tried to bring that over into the songwriting on this next record, which is, you know, each story, each song is telling a, a story. There is more explicitly than I think ever before in my music a narrator and uh, a worldview that doesn't necessarily reflect my own. It's, it's much less diaristic, I guess. So, and it's funny. It's you know, it's definitely more funny and a little more, dare I say, horny. (laughs) There's like, there's songs about the weirdness uh, of, of two humans copulating you know in in the face of of death and um destruction i didn't put it together until right now like i i you know i understand the meaning behind the 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 title and it's a very funny one but now that you're describing the next record in that way i'm almost having i'm making a douglas adams connection to the dolphins yeah someone else i sometimes get 
re- sometimes that reference comes up, and I know Hitch. I've, 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 you know, I played the game. There was a video game, like a text-based yeah. video game, in like the eighties for the Hitchhiker's Guide. That's my only connection to that uh, and to Douglas Adams. So I, I don't understand. Is there there's some kind of? I'll give you the, the quick because. Uh... I might edit this out. It's not super interesting if you don't know what I'm talking about. But the the, the quick and dirty of it is that there is a uh, he he did a book called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish, and it's about how the how dolphins are like a more evolved life form, and they leave yes. they leave the humans behind. I think it was right. the last Hitchhiker's book. But the reason why I bring it up is because I assume you read Vonnegut growing up like yes. the rest of us right yeah uh-huh yeah I love so douglas adams is similar to vonnegut in that um a lot of his perspective comes from an examination of seemingly banal things and and looking looking at these things that we take for granted as an alien life form almost and that sounds mm-hmm. that sounds the vein that you're kind of mining in for the next record and yeah, and even this, even dolphins too. I mean, and all you can do is laugh. The second song, it it opens up with a line about the the this kind of nebulous, ominous thing appearing in the sky, like something has landed, and we're now being faced with some sort of you know metaphorical alien invasion. So. Yeah, there's a through line. There's a thread that's going to connect this one to the next one. Feel the pain of it coming on. And just like that, it turns the young lovers on. 